In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four handpicked book recommendations, and two brides. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 36, Poetic Justice. Poetic Justice. Which makes me think of the Janet Jackson movie. It did me too. Right? Yeah. With Tupac? Yes. Not it's where we're coming from. Not where we're on coming this from. Episode. We could have done a Janet Jackson themed. We could have. Thing. We did not. Could we? Are there enough books about Janet Jackson? Something there should be. We, there should be. We'll figure that out. Okay, we'll figure we'll that out. We'll back to you on that one. <laughs> this theme, though, not about poetry. <laughs> no. If you were confused. No, 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 no. Poetic. Because don't know shit about no, poetry. No, I know nothing. No. No, no. no books to recommend to you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Shel Silverstein. <laughs> Little Dr. Seuss. Yeah, yeah some Dr. Yeah, Seuss. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, this actually, though, is all about... True crime, but with the justice angle. For sure. We want to see some justice. We want to see some damn justice, because sometimes there's a lot of true crime out there where you don't get a sense of a completed story or of justice no. or anything like that. Yeah. You don't get to see the end. Sure don't. You see, maybe maybe they're captured, but you never get to see right. it to its full conclusion. So I would say some of our picks, they've got some terrible stuff going on, but man, you get a sense of justice. You do. Feels Poetic good. justice. Poetic justice. Justice Little Janet Jackson karma. style is a beat. <laughs> That's what we should have named this. Karma, karma is, is a beat. <laughs> Somehow in the copy, like made it sound like yeah, you just it would have to be like an audio. Bee. File. Yeah, yeah, an audio file. Okay. Yes. So, Aaron, mm-hmm. thinking about true crime, yes, because you are thinking about this a lot. I am um, thinking about some of the things that you've admitted on our podcast yes, so far about yes. your love for true crime. I want to ask you about one of your favorite people, Keith Morrison. Yes. If you could spend one day 
with Mr. Keith Morrison from Dateline, what would you do? I have thought about this <laughs> in excess. Of course you yeah. have. And I don't mean that to sound stalkery, but here's what it would be. First of all, we would have to start out very early because I have mm. a lot to pack into this day. Oh, okay. So okay. we're going to have to start with like a coffee date and a really long breakfast. Oh. Because part of this day is just me listening <laughs> to you talk. I have to know if in his normal life he uses those same turn Ooh, phrase. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you've mentioned that yes. he does these very sort of not stereotypical, like just almost uh, cliched Yes, but they sound original coming yeah. out of his mouth, which is Little amazing. did he know. Yeah, that kind of thing. yeah. yeah. But he also asked some very questions that come across as humorous even though they're very serious hmm. he's got this very interesting style that i have to know if that carries over into his you know normal sure. conversation so over patterns. breakfast mm-hmm. he's going to reveal if he really does this yeah in person. okay yeah. Great, great i will prep for okay. this meeting so i might have a notebook that i have to refer to of questions sure like, you know follow-up questions of course also in part of the day then there's going to be lunch and dinner that also are very lengthy yes. and include lots of talking i mean this is a good day already because there's a lot yes. of food involved yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yes exactly i'm not sure i'll be able to eat because i'll be too <laughs> nervous but <laughs> too excited like oh. you'll also read into like whatever he chooses yes. off the menu you'll be like oh, oh of course you chose the egg sunny side up i will only eat my egg sunny side up from now on (laughs) but the rest of the time i want to follow him around not while he's working like producing a story but not i don't want to be like the camera i don't want that i want to know what his process is behind the scenes like the writing the investigating when he gets somewhere what does he do like does he go to the hotel and like take the place in does Uh he tour around like i want to know what is how do you find that random gate in the field that you stand by are you just constantly looking for gates and lean things to lean on on to lean on i want to know i have to know I want to see too. I, I I'm going to give you a few things you need to check on. With okay, him as good, well. good, good. Um, I want to see if he like preps himself up before he's on camera. Like what oh, kinds of exercises he does. Yeah. You know? Do you tie and untie and tie and untie your converse? Exactly. Do you fiddle with your? Does he wear a tie? He doesn't wear a tie. No. No. Sorry. Oh, oh God. No. Aaron just gave me this look of utmost disapproval. No, no. He doesn't see, come I'm in Keith like Morrison that. Novice. I'm sorry. It's okay. You're getting okay. there. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. Well, I just want to know what he does to like yeah. prep himself. I like that. Yeah, yeah. It would be great if he had some kind of pump up soundtrack. Yes. That I could then adopt like as my Janet own. Jackson. Rhythm Nation. <laughs> <laughs> A little nasty. Yeah. Oh, I can see him getting Tempo pumped up. Tempo by yes. Lizzo and Missy Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> if Keith Morrison pumped himself up with Lizzo, that'd be wonderful. That would be, be a great story. Everything that I love converging yeah. into one. Oh, God. Yeah. So many great things. Well, this is going to be a great day. It's going to be phenomenal. Hmm. And it, I'm, I hope he understands I'm going to need the full 24 hours. It's going to yeah. be midnight to midnight. <laughs> so Does that mean you're going to show up at his place at midnight? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll pre- like, prepare him so we might as well start because it's probably awkward to have me watch you sleep. So just sure, get sure. up and yeah, we'll yeah. just start the day. We'll just start that. We'll just yeah. start the day. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Because so that means if we have to work in some snack time too, that's oh, fine. God, yeah. Because we can continue the conversation. There's more time to talk. Over delicious yeah. snacks. Yeah. <laughs> it- so really, it's a day of food and Keith Morrison mm-hmm. and finding things to lean on. Which is everything I've ever wanted oh, in a day. God. If I could get you the best birthday present ever, that's what I would get you. It would be complete. Like I, I don't could, know how I could make this work, would but it would no do There would be no other birthdays in my life ever yeah, because nothing I mean, can top that. You might have that. to die after that. Yeah, yeah. How do you come yeah. back from that? Yeah, you don't. Yeah, like the next, every birthday after that is just a disappointment because oh it's not meals and Keith Morrison. Yeah. Meals, maybe. Keith Morrison, no. No. Major ingredient to making it work. Hmm. It'd be delightful. Yeah. It'd be so delightful. Oh, God. It'd be wonderful. 
So knowing, I mean, I'm going to ask this question on kind of almost a personal level. Mm -hmm. I need to know, Amy, (laughs) what you would do if a really good friend confessed a crime to you. Uh I don't know what crime it is. You can pick. If you know who it is, though. I mean, I'm picturing you confessing a major crime to me. Yes. And immediately, I'm going to parlay that into your 24 hours with Keith Morrison. (laughs) I am going to think marketing. I'm going to think reality show. I'm going to think merchandising. I'm going to think, how do I get Aaron in touch with Keith Morrison? Wow. And... Maybe that's how he gets involved as I hold out this bait. Like, listen, Aaron's done something. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be big. But first, in order to cover this story of a lifetime, mm-hmm. you got to spend 24 hours with her. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even go that angle. Hmm. I just figured you'd help me bury the body. Well, I mean, that's the first step. Okay. But then if you're comfortable with it, okay. if you want, you know, if people we to know, which this. I think you would want people to know at yeah. some point. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. If you don't want people to know, then hey, I will, I will, you know, I'll bury those bodies. I'll kill whoever <laughs> witnessed it. I'll, I'll engage in some criminal activity too, wow. just so we can be equal, you oh, know, so we can share wow. in that guilt and that shame, but also that like, holy shit, look what we, we did. did. Yeah. Wow, I appreciate that so much. I wasn't even going to go as far as you mm. had to kill people yourself, oh. but the fact that you brought it in. Yes, I mean, it doesn't take much, I guess, no. but oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. We have some things That's to talk about off yeah. air. Yeah, <laughs> off air. Yep, 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 yep. All right, Aaron. Yeah. Another question for you. Okay. And I think you're going to ask me something similar. But if I was a crime, me, Amy, mm-hmm. if I was a crime, I want to hear what you think that crime would be. Okay. So when I thought about this, the first thing I thought was that clearly you would be inciting a riot. And then I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> For some worthy cause. But then I was like, no, no, no. Amy hates crowds. So she would start it and leave. So there'd be no chance for an arrest. Okay. So what I decided is that if you were a crime, you would be a very complicated insider trading scheme where charities or nonprofits of your choosing that were worthy would benefit and Bernie Madoff's of the world would topple and it would be super thought out and super methodical. And it would be really hard for anyone to be like, yeah, I mean, we have to prosecute her, although I don't really believe. We just want to applaud her. Yeah. Yeah. And that you would just be down hundred percent. You would stand by it. That's what I think. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's I have some thinking to do I know. about that. Well, yeah. I know that it would be well thought out <laughs> and very methodical. See, inciting riots too impulsive. That would not be your. No. You're right, and I, I hate crowds, so I couldn't. I no. couldn't get behind that too no. much. No, Mm-mm. I'd have to be like, all right, right down. See yeah, ya. yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys take it over, and I'm gonna go. <laughs> I like it though, mm-hmm. like turning the Bernie Madoffs of the world, yeah, into like supporting the Iowa Farm Sanctuary. See, that's yeah. what you would. It would be, yeah. It'd be some crazy twist like that, and people would be like, I can't do anything but be supportive. Somehow have all the Republicans sending anonymous donations to Planned Parenthood. Yeah, it would be like... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And there'd be a ridiculous GoFundMe page for your criminal fund, because people would be like, we're not doing this. No. No, we're not. Let's just pardon her and move on. This is... We got bigger fish to fry. (laughs) This one, no. Uh Uh-uh. You know what's funny is because I had to think of what kind of crime you would be. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of went similar. Oh, I said that you would be the long con. You would be like you know because you've talked about your corpion espionage, your um, yes. takeover of cartels. Mm-hmm. 
the main crime would be the long work up to that where no one sees you coming. Yes. I see you like you're going to watch everything play out. You're going to like watch people in the carpool lane like that maybe, you know, that are married to the bad people, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're going to watch them in the carpool lane. You're going to go to wrestling matches and watch them there. You're going to (laughs) go to like Halloween party and like watch their couple dynamics and everything. You're going to do the work Mm -hmm. and then you're going to strike. And no one's ever going to know. No one's ever going to know. You're right. That is the perfect crime for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're going to take them down and and be like, how the, who, what happened? Aaron happened. Yeah, that, exactly. That's Aaron. what happened. <laughs> it's terrifying how much I like that. <laughs> this, is, this is cause for concern that this sounds appealing to me. <laughs> so appealing. <laughs> like, let's go cons with people. Sounds amazing. Yeah, it yeah. does. That's yeah. perfect. That's exactly what I would want to do. God, crime sounds amazing. Right? Why aren't we doing more crimes? <laughs> We're also sort of rule followers. We though. are, yeah. We're afraid just gonna of authority yeah. in a lot of ways. I'd be petrified. But I would do the work. You're right. I oh, would, yeah, yeah. A long con be great. Part yeah. of us doing the work is because we're afraid of authority and because mm-hmm. we're afraid of following rules. We're going to put the work in mm-hmm. so no one can just I like in both our crimes, maybe it goes so far that we get away with it when we're like super old and we know mm-hmm. we're both on our deathbeds <gasps> and we write like tell-alls and we're like, yes. look, guess what I was? Yeah. I was whatever name you gave me. Yeah. You thought mm-hmm. I was, you know, mm-hmm. safe and yeah, no problems here, but no. guess what? You even invited me to investigate that crime. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> Precisely. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note. Yes. Picks. Let's look at some picks. Some picks. All right. So my fiction pick today is The Gone Dead by mm. Chanel Benz. And this came out a couple months ago in oh. 2019. And I read her story collection that came out in 2017. And it's one of the best titles ever. Mm. The Man Who Shot Out My Eye is Dead. The name <laughs> of the story collection. <laughs> It is. That is the best title ever. It's so good. And it's just one line in one of her stories. It's not like the title of a story. It's just one line. The stories themselves are so good. Really? She's a really great writer. I've never heard of it. That's amazing. I have this downstairs. I can lend it to you. Oh, yes. So I I read this and I was like, oh my God, I'm a new super fan. So I was super excited to hear her novel coming out. Um, So in the novel, the main character is Billy. And we meet her as as she's inherited a little bit of money and also this house that's in the Mississippi Delta. Her father owned the house, and he was a sort of a renowned black poet and civil rights activist who died suddenly in the early 70s when Billy was only four years old. So the story goes that he fell and hit his head and that it was an accident. Mm. Billy was there that day that her dad died, but she doesn't remember it. And her mom, who was a white woman, then moved them out of Mississippi. So she hasn't been back to this area in many years, 30-some years. So she comes back, and she's feeling out the house. She's feeling out the town. She's remembering things she thought she'd... Uh, thought that she'd forgot. Like, she's hearing rumors about her family. Um, she's even hearing rumors about how she went missing on the night that her dad died. And, like, she showed up on the local news as a missing girl. She's like, I don't remember oh. any of this. What is this about? There's also rumors how her dad didn't really fall, that it wasn't an accident. So at first, she's just there to figure out what to do with her inheritance. But then she's drawn into this mystery of how her dad died, what happened to her when she was a little mm-hmm. kid. She starts digging into the history of the white family nearby and the whole history of the area during slavery and since. 
So we meet this whole cast of characters along the way, including her rundown uncle, her cousins that she hasn't seen in a while, the, the White family, the McGee's, and a biographer of her father's who has uncovered some interesting stuff. Oh. What I love about this is it's not just a straight-up mystery. You know, there's this, this deep look at one woman who's trying to figure out her family, but also reconcile that with this whole sort of messed-up Southern way, this whole yeah. system, you know, down there. I think that when you read this, you'll find a sense of justice, but also deep injustice, just of the whole, you know, the whole time, the whole racial politics, everything. There's no easy answers here. You do get a sense of finality. You get a mm. sense of satisfaction, but you also get a sense of sort of disquiet at the end, which I think is really powerful, yeah. you know. Um, and you know that the people involved will be changed forever. Oh. So... The Gone Dead, another killer title, not as great in my mind as the short story collection title, which is epic and no one can ever top it. But excellent title. Very excellent book. Intriguing. It sounds yes. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I never I have never heard of her as an author, so Well, I'm glad I introduced her to I, you. Yeah. And to our listeners. That's what this is all about. That's what it's all about. Introductions. <laughs> Introducing people. That's right. Well, for the fiction pick this week, I picked a book called The Last Place You Look by Kristen Lempianka. Um, and this is a actually great news about this is if you like this book, it's actually a series. Ooh. Okay. She just released number three. Um, and it, the main character is, uh, Roxanne Weary, who is a PI who, um, is tasked in this story of finding Sarah Cook, who happens to be a, a teenager that disappeared 15 years ago on the same night that her parents were brutally murdered Ooh. in their suburban Ohio home. At the time, she had a boyfriend named Brad Stockton, who was black and not from the right side of the tracks, as they say. And he was convicted of the murders and is on death row, even though he has maintained the whole time he was innocent. He had nothing to do with it. But Sarah disappeared. So basically, the only witness that could maybe say he didn't do it is nowhere to be found. So Brad's sister thinks that she spots Sarah at a gas station in the area. So she hires Roxanne Weary, this PI, to find Sarah because she thinks this is her brother's only hope. So Roxanne is this very tough, very smart, very intriguing PI. Her father was a police officer for many years and has recently died. Um, and so she kind of gets convinced to take this case because she thinks there might be a link between this case and one of the cases that her father never solved which oh. which haunted him to the end okay so she thinks oh this could be a great tribute to him to solve this case i love the the case the story that will grip you in but what will really get you is roxanne weary as a character so she's just real. That's what I like about her. Sometimes I think in true crime or those veins, we can kind of get the polished, you know, For sure. hero kind of police yeah. officer detective. Not not to say that they aren't, but just almost to a fault. Yes. And in this, she has made Roxanne Weary so real and so accessible. She her life is super messy. Her family's messy. Her motives are messy. I mean, nothing is as cut and dry. Um, she's not always lovable, but she's super authentic. And she also has happens to be the first lesbian PI that I've ever encountered Excellent. in a you know true crime yeah. vein. Or not true crime, I should say, but crime, crime writing yeah. vein. So there's tons of twists and turns. You'll be surprised. But I think what I like about it the most is this character. And mm -hmm. I, I've read the second one. The third one came out recently. I haven't had a chance to read that one yet. But um, I 
her writing is great. It's the the case will keep you moving forward, but you also want to know more and more and more about Roxanne. You just keep getting more intrigued by her story, mm-hmm. what her life is like, um, the struggles she has with relationships, both um, romantic and with her family, with her siblings, with her mom in the aftermath of her dad's death. Mm-hmm. So it's great and really could hit any reader because you've got family drama, you got relationship drama, you got crime drama. I mean, what more do you want? Sounds like a hell of a mix. It is. Yeah, she sounds incredible. Yeah, it's terrific. It was a great, great read. Excellent. I could see that being a a very good TV show as well. Yes, actually, yeah. yeah. Or like a movie Mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. And that's kind of why I picked it for this with the justice angle, because it's very procedural in some areas. Mm -hmm. You're really given an insight into kind of how she's trying to break the case down, knowing that she's going to need evidence or knowing she's going to have to set this up to be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. So she's really looking at things from that angle and that filter all the time, which is kind of an interesting way to write the story. Yeah. I think So it's not just about the details. It's also about what you can prove. I like too, that you said that she feels very authentic. I think that yes. um, sometimes, like you said, uh, PIs or other, you know, mm-hmm. crime solvers in media can either be too clean and too perfect or the other way where they're just too much of a mess. You yes. just don't even want to like, deal yeah exactly yeah yeah and i mean the truth has to be that it's somewhere in the middle like anyone in any profession but yeah you either have like the get smart dragnet type Mm -hmm. or the you know i'm falling apart and my life is you know i live in a box and yeah yeah, no one ever knows you know type of thing yeah is that the opposite of dragnet is living in a box i feel like it yeah Yeah. i think so too with no phone in your shoe That's right. They predicted we would have shoe phones. Yeah, because that's so convenient. So convenient because you got to stop and take your shoe off to take yeah. a call. If anything, I mean, the cufflink thing always got me. They just lift up their arm and talk. Yeah. That seems way more seems convenient. Seems way more convenient. Which we sort of have with the watches we now. We do. But well, s- and even Mr. Gadget, he had a phone watch. Yes. And it was like, when that came around, yeah, it yeah. was pretty badass. But-, but taking your shoe off and putting no. it up to your head. That's going to end bad. People Especially are gonna in be like, the winter, what? you got to unlace your boots. Yes. You got to like worry about Do your I, socks. Am I short-circuiting Ugh. the electronics in my yes. shoe if I walk through snow? I don't know. Obviously, they weren't thinking about Midwest winters no. when they came up with this plan. No. What happens if I wear my shoe out? <laughs> but, the, but the phone is still good. Yes. What happens if you go to a bar and you get someone spilling beer on your shoe? Oh, my gosh. I got to be angry and get in a bar fight now because yeah. of my shoe phone? Which is the logical next step of getting in a bar fight. Yeah. Well, obviously. You shorted out my bar phone, which is how I get all my spy intel. <laughs> that makes me think that you've been in a bar fight, but I think you probably haven't. Oh, no. Okay. No. But I would love to like, I love the idea of thinking that, yes, you've been in a bar fight. And like, yep. it's that easy. Just, oh, you ruined my shoe. I am in. Yeah. I'm ready. pool cue on your head. <laughs> Taking my earrings yeah. off. Oh, I'm ready oh, to oh. go. Oh. Yes. I've always wondered about the taking your earrings off thing. Who's taking that kind of time? I know. I'll never find you're just again. like trash talking each other. Yeah. Like what? Somebody wait, just could wait, give you it. Yeah. yeah. Let me get this. I don't usually ever wear super big earrings. So I think that's, that's maybe part of it. They, they don't yeah. want you to rip you can, it down. Yeah. But like hoop or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm so good at bar fighting. You're not going to get to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> I think that line right there will get you with Keith Morrison. Yeah. I'm so good at bar fighting. I don't need to take the earrings off. Exactly. He'll be very intrigued by that. <laughs> My other image of bar fighting is just cracking pool cues. That's it. Like, I don't know. In every bar, whether there's a pool table or not, I picture someone getting cracked over the head with a pool cue. Yeah. Maybe well, I should I just start the bottle thing. Oh. Like, and then you're ready to cut somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I 
been a little more violent. Oops. You went straight to stabbing. <laughs> you went straight Just to stabbing. Jagged bottle stab. <laughs> Which sounds terrible. Actually, I feel like that would do more damage than an actual knife because it's so jagged yeah. and like. And there's multiple entry points. You, you, can't, like, <laughs> you can't see because this is a podcast, but she's jabbing at her own neck. So not only is she going to stab with a random bottle, I'm it's going to be my... in the neck, going for the jugular for sure. Okay, like where else would you go? With I don't a broken know. I bottle? went stomach for no. some reason, which is a... it can take a person days to die from a stomach wound. We're yeah, talking neck. You're We're right. talking neck you're right. where it's just going to be real fast. That's a lot smarter. Yeah. Yeah. Why was I going for the tummy? I don't know. <laughs> you disappoint me with your true crime. Yeah, that you was know. dumb. Yeah. I guess in my, oh, I was thinking you could stick it in, and then it would just a bottle would be sticking out of their stomach. <laughs> Clearly, we have no experience in fighting. I don't even think these things are physically possible. <laughs> I'm picturing a guy just walking around with the bullet or with well, the bottle in his. Yeah. Oops, got well, me good. Look what happened Friday night. <laughs> I would take it out, but it's going to be a real mess. Yeah. I don't want to do it. You know what? I just decided it is a war wound. I'm leaving that bottle in. And you know like what? shrapnel. I like Bud. <laughs> Budweiser, so. It, it definitely would be a Bud-heavy bottle, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It'd have to be. Wow. Where? Oh, where did we start? What <laughs> happened there? Oh, okay. There's a path back. Yeah, I think. Yep, yep. Okay, so back to justice. Justice. Guess what? Coming in hot oh. with a nonfiction pick. And I picked something that Aaron has also read, yes. and Aaron has picked something that I've read. We usually surprise each other with our we picks, do. but this week we consulted because we've just read these books, mm-hmm. felt very strongly about both of them. And I didn't want one of us exactly. to pick the same one. We had an opportunity to bring both of these great picks yes. to you. So that's what we did. And you need to read them both. So you're going to hear from both of us. You are. On these books. But Amy's going to come in hot Coming first. Hot. And I'm coming in hot with a book called Nobody's Victim, Fighting Psychos, Stalkers, Pervs, and Trolls. By Carrie Goldberg, published just a couple months ago, yes. I think. Yeah. So, Carrie Goldberg is a New York lawyer, and about 10 years ago, she had a psycho ex who tried to ruin her life. They dated for just about four months, and when she ended it, he bombarded her with texts and emails and calls. He sent messages to everyone she knew on Facebook. He filed a fake police report that put her in jail, and he threatened to send naked photos and videos that she didn't know about to everyone that she knew. So to try and get away from this, she moved. She spent $30,000 in legal fees. She lost relationships. And at the you know bottom of just feeling like total garbage and just feeling like life was terrible, she decided to be the lawyer that she needed back then. So she started this firm that's now the fastest growing, I think she said, in the country. Yeah. And in this book, she writes about the kinds of cases that they take on and the kinds of lobbying efforts that they're working on to change the laws. Um, the power of this book is in some of the examples that she writes about. There's a woman whose ex-boyfriend made fake bomb threats in her name. There's a teenager who was sexually assaulted on school grounds, and then the administrator suspended her for reporting it. Yeah. That got me and Aaron real hot. Yep. Um, a man whose ex-boyfriend used a dating app to send over a thousand men to his home with instructions for rough sex and rape fantasies. Mm-hmm. Just think about that for a second and how that could have gone down. Mm-hmm. The attackers that she identifies fall into sort of predictable categories, which she calls assholes, psychos, pervs, and trolls. And with each of them, she kind of carefully lays out the pattern that they have, because they do have a pattern, Mm -hmm. each one of these. And by identifying that pattern, hopefully we can stop them Mm -hmm. and create laws to block them. Some of the most 
and tell me if you agree here, Aaron, but I think some of the most frustrating sh- points that she makes is how tech companies get away with having no protections built in for this yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they make almo- they make reporting almost impossible. Um, she also goes in depth about how our current legal structure, it allows for this. It just hasn't caught up with our society now. And there's so much technology involved that the laws are just so far behind mm-hmm. that it really, it does not protect the people that are being attacked in this way. Mm-hmm. I think um, you may listen to this and you may think this is pretty complicated stuff. And it absolutely is. But it is... You fly through this book. It mm-hmm. is gripping. It is horrifying. It is so well done. And you get kind of a feeling of satisfaction at the end. Yes. Because there have been a lot of things that they've done that have made the situation better. For mm-hmm. example, um, her firm has removed more than 30,000 non-consensual images and videos from the internet and jailed more than a dozen people um, who have done this. They've successfully sued the New York City Department of Education, on behalf of a teen girl who was gang-raped by classmates in her school's stairwell and then suspended for lying. And they've helped craft a dozen states' revenge porn laws and promote the first federal bill aimed at protecting victims of revenge porn. And I'm going to interrupt yeah. you right there because yeah. I think the the first one you read about the 30,000 images, that was something that was very interesting to me in the book. And I think it's important to note because I think sometimes the argument about nude images or videos is we have this tendency to say, well, just don't send them. Yes. But it's very important to note that in most of these cases, these women, A, didn't know they were being Mm -hmm. recorded. B, didn't know that their boyfriend whoever it was took those pictures and then Mm -hmm. what's happening is that there are websites that are paying people to upload these pictures yeah they want specifically non-consensual stuff yes they're Mm -hmm. specifically going so these people are not only getting the double of being able to humiliate someone but they're also getting paid for it Mm -hmm. and again this is not a consensual thing so to take thirty thousand, that's telling you how big this yeah. is and that's probably a small dent in probably it. yeah i think the the way that she was talking about this which she labels this part of revenge porn it could mm-hmm. be videos as well mm-hmm. um the way she was talking about it is such an epidemic right now that this yes. is probably just a drop in the bucket yes. but it is a substantial effort yes to start putting these companies on notice that yes. this will not be um legal any longer yes absolutely. Which, it, which it really is right yeah now, which is part of the problem mm-hmm. so i think um you know in this book she's working to transform clients uh, transform them from victims to warriors, she mm-hmm. says, which is really cool. And it makes her a certified badass. Mm-hmm. And you, like I said, you will leave this book feeling like, holy shit, our world sucks. Mm-hmm. But also you will feel like, God damn, I'm glad there's Carrie Goldberg and other people that are working yes. to make it better. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you, you will you will have a sense of satisfaction. I mean, you'll be enraged for quite sure. a bit during the book, but you'll have this amazing sense of satisfaction at the end that she's getting somewhere. Yes. That she's getting traction. That there and, are the laws are changing. Yes. And that people are more recognizing this more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. But it's also interesting from a legal angle that yes. she went into this as a lawyer and she part of her mission and part of the reason she's the fastest girl is because she's developed an actual strategy Mm -hmm. for helping people that are in this situation that um, are... And it's not as simple as just saying, you know, they're posting bad things on Facebook. Like you mentioned, I mean, she had one, but she has clients who they're getting multiple police reports yes. filed, things that like, I didn't do that. And so she's giving them ways to combat that and help the police understand right away that, no, that was a false claim. Mm-hmm. This person didn't actually do that. Um, you know, giving them how to do the documentation, how to do the paperwork to yes. make sure that that all flows. And she's using her vast knowledge mm-hmm. and per- firsthand experience, which... 
is awesome. It is. And, you know, I think uh, she goes to lengths to say this affects both men and women. It affects women, I think, probably more because mm-hmm. of this. But the attackers, the the psychos, the stalkers, the pervs, the trolls, they're all men. Yeah. And so there is something very significant happening here to um, to our culture, to men in the culture. And, you know, this is uh, something she's taken on. And damn, it's a good book. You know, another thing that I took from it that I you don't hear this often, but I think particularly for females, because she talks a lot about when she's talking about the different categories, she's talking about how these men present at the beginning. Yes. How they're the best boyfriend ever. They're so loving. and Yeah. yeah. And they're Mm -hmm. perfect. Prince Charming. They do everything right. And so many gifts. And I think sometimes as females, we're, we're taught to believe that that is what we should want in a relationship. You know, we want the guy showing up with flowers and taking us on dates. Constant attention. Yes. Even jealousy. We want all that. Yeah. That seems flattering. Like, oh, he doesn't want anyone else. He's that into me. We're kind of taught to believe that Mm -hmm. that's normal. Or, or that you've achieved the greatest goal. You found the perfect guy. And in reality, these are the ones she, she has shown in this book, the pattern of behavior of how at first it seemed so great. Almost all of her clients that came to her with that type of situation, yeah. similar to hers, were, oh, he was wonderful and he did this and he did that and extravagant gifts and trips and all these things that sound like what somebody wants. And mm-hmm. I think we do such an injustice, especially to young women when we say that that's the goal that we're right, reaching that and that's it, what we should be looking for yeah, yeah instead of saying no i want i want a mutual partnership mm-hmm. or i want someone that treats me with respect and yes. i want someone that respects my boundaries whatever those boundaries are trust me that, yes yeah, yeah. and instead of focusing on that we say well he's wealthy and he got you all these flowers yes. and he took you on these trips and he bought you jewelry and wonderful clothes and you know we get and then what happens is you know they're under that control mm-hmm. so i Thought that that was another point that doesn't get made a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, very much. And I think she does a lot to take that down, Mm -hmm. both with her personal experience and then with the experiences she's had with her clients. Yes. Um, Yeah, so I think this book is very remarkable. Um, like Aaron said, infuriating, but also satisfying. It, it talks about, uh, you know, a sort of cultural epidemic and individual people and what's happening on a smaller scale. I think maybe your pick talks a little bit uh, higher level, higher profile, it perhaps. Does. It does. So I'm going to preface and say that I read this book that Amy just talked about and then my book back to back. And I, I did too, actually. <laughs> I read that first one and I was enraged. I was hot. I am hot. I yes. was hot. Reading this one, I got a little calmed down because there's a pace to it. It's yeah. very methodical. And most of the time this book, I felt sad. Yeah. So I was enraged. A deep sense of sadness. A deep sense, <laughs> to a deep sense of sadness, but also, also with some justice. satisfaction yes. and justice. So the book that I am recommending this week is called She Said, Breaking the Sexual Harassment Story That Ignited a Movement by Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhey. So these two women work for the New York Times, um, the investigative journalists. They have a lot of uh, fabulous stories under their belts. They're very well respected. Um, The little blurb that's on the book says, from the Pulitzer Prize winning reporters who broke the news of Harvey Weinstein's sexual harassment and abuse for the New York Times, Jody Cantor and Megan Tuhey, the thrilling untold story of their investigation and its consequences for the Me Too movement. So that's kind of summarizing it in a nutshell. But... If you think that you know this story, which we all do know some version. Yes, I thought I did. Yes, you don't. You don't. And what is so amazing is that if you know someone like this or you maybe are someone that has some doubts or says, well, 
I don't really understand how Why this got broken. Women- yeah, yeah. Yes. You need to read this book okay. because what these what this book does is lay out how the women first heard about the allegations and then how they went through methodically for months mm, and months. months and months and months and did their research, found corroborating evidence, went back to witnesses, went back to Harvey Weinstein. They did everything they could to check every single fact and make sure that they had everything correct. They took every turn they could to make sure that Weinstein himself had an opportunity to comment. Which was terrifying. Or yeah. to refute anything. I mean, they did everything they could to make sure that this story was on point, done right, done fair done with integrity at the front and you will have so much respect for them throughout this process so much respect for the fact that they're hearing these tragic very emotional stories and they're still able to have a balanced thought process of okay but i have to go back and make sure that this Uh is correct and this is correct and to me it is the perfect argument to people who say well you know that that all can't be true or that you know it it is so well researched and to hear the behind the scenes of it fantastic so really the first half of the book is really covering that but then the second half kind of moves into the kavanaugh hearing mm-hmm. and uh doctor the whole me too epidemic yes, then after yeah, that the kind of story into yes. the kavanaugh and then the Chris, dr christine blasey ford her decision to testify before the committee um and they break all that down through the help of the lawyers that were representing her at the time so you get firsthand knowledge of what she was thinking what she was feeling and if you thought that she just did this because she thought it was going to be a great moment of revenge they, she, that is not the case. No, that was so heartbreaking to the whole part of showing how torn she was, how mm-hmm. driven she was, but how horrified that she knew this could change her entire life, her family's life, everything. Yeah. Yes. And it was just to hear her thought process. And they even have actual correspondence between her mm-hmm. lawyers via text messages and emails and things in this story. And to hear how they went through that and how they figured all of that out was just, it's beautifully written. Like we said, it's this slow methodical because they are showing you all the evidence and mm-hmm. all, but it reads very quickly. Yeah. It reads as quickly as the first one does. And you have a range of emotions. I felt, um, you know, you feel like screaming yes, and you're sad, and I'm not going to lie that I cried multiple yeah. times. I mean, it's just, they did such a good job of bringing the emotion into it in a logical, balanced, thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the facts that are making you feel that way. Yeah. It's not someone's emotional writing. And the other thing that I loved um, about this is that it they took a little bit of time to dive into the Me Too movement and talk about stories that broke that they know the due diligence wasn't done. That they know that yes. a reporter didn't do all the research or didn't check facts or didn't get a source on Which the record. Hurt the cause and, yes. Yeah. And they were very upfront about that. And I loved that because I also think that's important to note because that was some people sometimes use that as a scapegoat, but other people that is an actual issue to them. Like, okay, this is great to have this movement, but how do we control it? How yeah. do we not let this get quote unquote out of control? Right. And they talk about that too, that it is important in these cases to make sure that you're you're going to all the sources, you're getting the information, um, that the accused party is having an opportunity to discuss their viewpoint, you know, have a response. And I really liked hearing that from two journalists who had the same feeling. You know, not to say that we we don't believe those people, but but putting it out as a story, there's a different level if it's mm-hmm. going to be a journalistic story that needs to be met. And that was one thing I really enjoyed from the book as well is just seeing how an investigative journalistic piece 
should be done and is done. You yes. know, I think so many people, especially right now, are very quick to um, say how the media is, you know, not it, it speaking fake news, all that kind of stuff. However, if you read into how this process was done, there's absolutely no cause for that. That no. this was and the the levels of fear they had to work through, both from the women that wanted to tell their story but were very afraid of repercussions, were very afraid of how their lives would change, very afraid of their own feelings of shame and mm-hmm. just horror at what had happened. Some of these women hadn't even told their families. No. So, you know, having to not only know that your story's gonna come out on a national scale, but you're the closest people you know, your support system doesn't even know. So no. they're trying to process all that at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was it was fascinating. And it's I what comes to mind, and it kind of makes me laugh, and you'll know why, if because it's, it's associated usually with a different news source. But I kept thinking, oh, this is fair and balanced. <laughs> this is the actual. This is actually yeah, fair, fair and, and balanced. balanced. Yeah, and that's yeah. actually what the feeling that you get. And what's terrific about that is that at the end, you you feel justified in your feelings because mm-hmm. you're like, well, I looked at the facts, I read both sides, I listened to what he had to say, and this is where I ended up. Yeah, and that feels very satisfactory on some Very level. Much so. Yeah. And I really enjoyed as disgusting as it was, um, hearing the actual conversations they had with Harvey Weinstein before yeah. they went to publish, because as part of an investigative journalist, you give the sources and the people that are being charged with something, an opportunity to speak. Mm-hmm. They gave him many days, which as I'm reading it, I was just terrified. Like, Oh my God, what's he going to do? Yeah. And hearing Seeing some of the things he said, seeing some of the notes from the meetings, it w- I was just aghast yeah. at what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, very gripping read. And you will be surprised at some public figures that you yes, know. Yes, you will. Yeah. That you may have a different impression of. Very much so. I do after this. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Mm-hmm. So again, Amy brought it hot. Brought it hot. And then I took it down to a slow <laughs> dance. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to slow it down now. So we were grinding over here, yep. and now it's Coming slow in dance. Hot. Coming yeah, in hot. That maybe wasn't yep. the best metaphor Dirty for these dancing. two. Dirty dancing. Yeah. And now remember slow that dance. from like middle school? Like, we're going to slow it down. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And then you put your arms on the other yeah. person's, and you just sort of like sway. zombie sway. Yep, sway. Yep. Zombie mm-hmm. sway. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So that's what happened Okay, here. yeah. We, we mixed it up for you. Sure did. But yeah, I think, uh, like we said, we don't usually uh, talk about our picks beforehand. No, we don't. these, we... We really wanted to cover both of them. We did. Yeah. And there was partially for me, I read both of them after Amy read them. So then there was like real live texting where I was like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah. I hate everything. There was a lot of that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then like followed up. By, I'm crying. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. A lot of rage, a lot of tears, a lot of, yeah. Yeah. It was like a typical day in podcast's life. Yeah. Who's suddenly woken up from her long winter's nap. Do you have something to add? And no, nope. Just walking on by. Yeah. You do you podcast. Fine. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so pop culture picks yes. for some justice. Uh-huh. I picked a show called Fargo, mm. and it is on FX, created by a guy named Noah Hawley. There are three seasons done, and a fourth is coming. And I know what you're thinking, because I thought this way as well, too. Um, you know, Fargo was this great movie in 1996. It was very strange. It was very dark. Um, it came from the Coen brothers. There's Minnesota acnet accents. There's a pregnant cop. There's a death by a wood chipper. I don't know how you could top that. And so when I heard about the show, I was like, what is this? Are you redoing it? Like, how can right, you redo yeah. that? That makes no sense. I completely agree with all that. And that's not what this show is. Oh, 
Um, it's not a remake. It's not the same characters. Okay. You're living in a universe that feels very Coen Brothers, and there's lots of references, but a completely different story. Okay. Okay. Um, the first season is set in Bemidji, Minnesota, and it's got uh, some similar characters to the movie in that there's a sort of henpecked husband, Martin Freeman, who suddenly turns violent. It's got a real scary assassin dude with a terrible haircut oh. named Billy Bob Thornton. It's got a cop, Allison Tolman, who's who's got this really keen eye. She's she's surrounded by cops that don't really see all the things that she sees, and she has a very keen sense of justice mm. of what things should be happening. It's got a gang based in Fargo and two FBI agents who are Key and Peel following them. Key and Peel show up and I'm like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, okay, I'm in. This? All right, cool. Okay, Let's go. All right, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, it's still got the Minnesota accents. It's still got real sweet, simple people that are suddenly faced with this darkness of humanity, which I think is the sense you get from the movie, and that's brought through to the show. It's so smart. It's so good. Everyone there, even the people doing bad things, they're driven by a sense of justice, and that's why I picked this today. Because even as effed up as it might be, as self-absorbed, you know, when Martin Freeman does some terrible things uh, to cover his tracks, you see how he's rationalizing it. You mm -hmm. see what he's doing and you see how he thinks this is just, this is right. Right. When Billy Bob Thornton kills, you see his view of the world. You see how he's rationalizing it. You see how this matters to him. Mm -hmm. And what's, every, what's even cooler is that every season is a new story. So it's sort of an anthology thing. Some connections to the first season, again, some connections to the movie, but its own independent thing. So part of the fun is drawing the links together. The second season um, has Kirsten Dunst as a 1970s wife um, and Gene Smart as the leader of the Fargo gang, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. The third season has Ewan McGregor playing twins and Carrie Coon as a cop. Ooh. So together you're getting this really super rich, involved story of yeah. cops and robber cops and robbers. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Roggers. Roggers. Also known as robbers. Those roggers over there. Yeah. The cops Stop it. and the roggers. Stop yeah. it, roggers. Um, them and sense of justice, like I said, that's yeah. pervading everything. And there is a fourth season coming next year, and it's going to be set in nineteen fifties, Kansas City, with Chris Rock playing a lead. Wow. Should be very interesting. So Key and Peel, are they only in the first season? Only in the first season. Okay. Yeah. And is, is there a humor spent to them? Or a not little a bit. Okay. And like I said, this show shares some things with the movie and that one of the things that it does is this weird sense of humor. Okay. There's definitely humor throughout that you know like, ah, should I be laughing at this? Yeah, I should be, be laughing, laughing at this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they definitely fill that role, but everyone really does. It's okay. it's really clever how they do that. Interesting. And so then, do each of the seasons kind of stand on their own? Yes. Okay. Yes. But like the first season, there's one character that you see as an older man. And then the second season, you see him as a younger man, and oh. he's the cop that's sort of driving the story. So there okay. are those connections there, there are which is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, and then, cool. like I said, there's Coen Brothers stuff. Like, at one point, you see a sign for a white Russian for $4. You see, like, um, the, the suitcase of money from the Fargo movie. It plays a role here. Oh. Really fascinating how they do that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. I haven't. I, excellent. Same reason as you. I just never really. Yeah. Never and then ticked I, off the box. Yeah. I just. I dove in one time. and I was like, oh, okay. I get what he's doing now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I'm gonna put that on the list. There you go. Well, for uh, pop culture this week, I brought a podcast. Oh, I did. Yeah, it's you put did. out by Wondery. It's called Over My Dead Body. Oh. Uh huh. 
It's a good one. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, just completed its second season. The whole first season was the story of the Dan Markle murder, which if you're a Dateline fan or, you know, 40 hours, that kind of stuff, you it's kind of having a moment right now because the trial has actually just started. Oh. Yeah, it's taken like 12 years or something oh to God. get this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the, the person dives in, they actually started this because they were doing a story about rabbis in New York that are hired to rough up husbands when they won't grant a divorce to the what? wife. Yeah. Yeah. So he, this investigative <laughs> reporter start, started that way and he stumbled onto this Dan Markle murder, which if you're not familiar with, it was in Florida. It was a young couple. They were both lawyers. Um, They're going through a very, very contentious divorce. They had two young sons. He was gunned down in his driveway and in a in an area that there's no violence. There hadn't been a murder in multiple years. It was very strange Suspect. and lots of weird characters involved, including the soon to be ex-wife's brother and her parents and all kinds of things. So what he does is break down the stuff that you don't see usually on TV. He tells you all about how they met kind of all the before he takes you through all the stuff that happened in their relationship leading up to that point. And he does that with family, friends. He was able to get documents, emails that Dan wrote about what was going on. So you're hearing first person accounts um, through that. And then he takes you through the crime and then post crime. And now they're actually on their podcast. They're posting updates from the trial. Mm. Um, but then the second season followed a guy named Joe exotic who's this crazy guy who started a cub petting business, meaning like he was breeding tigers and stuff. And then you would go to like a mall. If you've oh, ever seen, no. you could like pet cubs. Right. And so he was targeted by this, an animal activist named Carol Baskin. And this whole season is like their story, which is basically ended ends with Joe in jail. Um, and, how far he wanted to go to get rid of Carol. And there's so many ups and downs and twists in that story. Um, it sounds weird. It is fascinating. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that these people exist is just something else. And I'll tell you right now that after you listen to the first episode, you will feel compelled to look up his image online. And oh. I did. And it fits. It fits. It's exactly what I would picture some guy who calls himself Joe Exotic to look like. Wait, wait, wait. So that's a name he gave himself? Pretty much, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've got an image now, too. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. It should involve a mullet. Absolutely, mm -hmm. it okay. does. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. I'm actually picturing uh, uh, the character in Old School that like brings the petting ghosts or something. Yeah. He has a crazy mullet and he has a drink gun. That's what yeah. I'm picturing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's very similar. Okay, great. Yeah, great you're great. right on yeah, board. Okay. Great. So that's also fascinating. I knew nothing about that. I kind of knew a little bit something about the Dan Markle murder going in. But both of them, the the way that they construct the stories, it's a different um, author slash narrator for the two different seasons. But ugh, it is good. It's like compulsive. You'll just want to <laughs> listen to it all. And when you hear it, you feel a sense of like satisfaction yes like you get okay yes because yeah. it's taking you through everything i mean they're taking real clips from the courtroom i mean you're listening to real defenses and things that are said and uh in the case of joe exotic i mean they have uh interviews with him from jail in there so it's yeah it's really great plus the theme song is killer <laughs> you will not be able to get it out of your head trust me so excellent yeah man we could have done a whole episode on podcasts dealing yes. with true crime with right? justice there's so many there are and it's so satisfying to like get to the end of the season have this full story in yeah. hand 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happen. seems yeah. to be a, a way that a lot of them are going is kind of that serialized, yeah. you know, where it's a set number of episodes and you get the whole thing. It's kind of almost like a uh, faster paced audiobook version uh-huh. of the crime, you know, yeah. which is great. It's it's wonderful to listen to. Very interesting. So. I'm surprised Dateline hasn't got into the podcast. Oh, they, oh, they, they have? have? Oh, yeah. okay. They have one called 13 Alibis oh, and then um, Keith Morrison released one called The Thing About Pam, which was an accompaniment to a oh, story he did. I've been seeing that. They've been trying to mm-hmm. make me and listen to that. Erin Morardi from 48 Hours has one too. Oh. Well, I think she, I don't, I haven't looked at that one at all. So I don't know if that's like an episode by episode one or okay. whatever, but yeah, the other two are like the 13 alibis was never a Dateline story. It's just a podcast hmm. they put out by a Dateline producer. And the Keith Morrison one was like an accompaniment, like more information than they could include in the Dateline episode. So, and I mean, it's Keith Morrison. Is he the one narrating it? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you get his voice in your ears. Yeah. Yeah, you just get your own personal time with Keith Morrison. But you want more. Anyone can ask. Well, yeah, I need that face-to-face. Face-to-face hours. Yeah. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, we're going to get you there. I need to put eyeballs on him. (laughs) I need to know (laughs) that it's Keith Morrison. (laughs) She's doing the arrows thing between the eyes. Yeah. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, boop, boop. I need eye laser radar. Boop, boop, boop. Yes. Locked in. Keith Morrison and I, BFFs. <laughs> he won't know what hit him. No, he'll be delighted, I'm sure. Oh, God, yeah. It won't be if weird. If anything, he'll just be like, this lady is crazy, and I like crazy. And I dig me some crazy. <laughs> crazy in a good way. I haven't killed anyone. Absolutely. The thing about Pam is she's a murderer. Yes. I am not. Yes, am... you're just going to be a long con artist, as yes. we discussed. There's no murder. I mean, unless you get in my way, but I don't predict no. that I'll kill anyone. Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. Good yeah, to we'll know. Go with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what i'm saying so lots of good picks yes focused on justice poetic mm-hmm. justice you poetic might say justice. yes so we are done with this episode mm-hmm. but we will be back next wednesday and in the meantime you can head to our website broadsandbooks.com and check out all the recommendations we made in this episode also on the website some fantastic bonus material mm. that means bonus episodes yeah that means, like we said, the notes where you can get all of our recommendations. Yes. You can also get other things that we link to if we mention oh, it. God. So We've many great good things. Links in there. So many great things. Yeah. One of the bonus things that we're working up is stories that you want to know about us. Mm-hmm. So that's something that you could send us. Yeah. You got a question you want us to answer? You want to pose us a question? We will answer we'll it. We'll do it. You'll do it. You want to know more about my long con? I'll oh, tell you. You want yeah. to hear about how I'm going to take down some corporate yeah terribleness i completely forgot his name is it bernie, bernie Ma- madoff yeah that's it yep, that's yep, it yep, yep take yep, him yep. down yep yep yep. he's already down but you know take his he's, ilk yeah, down yeah 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 um after you've discovered all that great bonus material and all of our episodes <sighs> so much we would love it if you would give us a review on apple podcasts it's quite easy mm-hmm. as podcasts saying right now Do it's it. super easy mm-hmm. Um, on other players, it may be a little bit more difficult. So if you uh, use another player to listen to your podcast, send it our way directly. Send it via the social medias, via our email. We are ready to hear it. We will. We make yeah. a party out of that. Oh, such a party. Such a party. The other thing is that we we are always working on new themes. Yes. We're idea factories up in We're here. Freaking idea factory. But we would love to have satellite idea factories. Oh, God, yeah. So if you have an Ooh, idea. Yeah. Send it our way. Yeah. You'll be a satellite idea factory. Oh my God. Little covens all yeah. around the world. Everywhere. Just pop. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> Ideas. <laughs> Little local cells yeah. of activity. Exactly. You can find us 
for theme ideas or for reviews or whatever you want to yeah. tell us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Cause their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.